This scripture is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 24, and chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, <clears throat> orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. The word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, cause the fruit of your Spirit to be born in all of us, for which your Son died upon the cross, to the end that the world may be made new again, as you promised. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. The symbol of the cross can mean so many different things for so many different people today. But in ancient times, for a good bit of time, in fact, the cross was a symbol of death and power, the ultimate propaganda tool of the Romans. But when Jesus was crucified on one, the unimaginable happened. That is, the cross suddenly took on its opposite meaning and intent. It came to mean new life. So now for a much longer chunk of time since then, the cross means new life. Now, even for Christians today, we, we don't normally think of the cross this way. When we think of the cross, we think about the suffering, the death of Jesus, the cost, the price that he paid for our ransom, his substitutionary atonement. I mean, these are all true of the cross. But we don't usually think of the cross as new life. We think of the resurrection, yes, as new life. That's tomorrow, two days from now, but not the cross. Now, it's interesting, uh, at least for me, to look back at how early Christians thought about the cross. Uh, there is a mosaic at the front of the church of San Clemente in Rome that was built around the year 1200. It depicts Jesus crucified, the base of the cross bursting with lush greenery. All around the crucifix and coming out of the cross are many vines that stick out and curl inwards, with various flowers blooming, fruits growing, and birds nesting inside the hollow of the cross. It's reminiscent of Jesus' parable of the mustard seed, the kingdom of God growing from a tiny seed into this giant tree on whose branches the birds of the air make their nests. 
It's an image of paradise with a cross at its center. The kingdom of heaven bursting all over and around. Now that mosaic in Rome lines up with the one popular medieval legend that the uh, 13th century Franciscan theologian, Saint Bonaventure, took up in his spiritual meditations called the Tree of Life. According to this medieval legend, the cross upon which Jesus died was made out of the wood that grew from a seed of the tree of life from the Garden of Eden. It's a legend. Around this time of the Middle Ages, the cross was thought to be a new Genesis story from which a new Eden, a new garden, a new creation was growing out of. And even as early as the third century, that's not too long after Jesus' death, this is what Hippolytus of Rome, an early church father, wrote about the cross. This tree is my everlasting salvation. It is my food, a shared banquet. Its shade I take for my resting place. Its blossoms are my own. Its fruits my utter delight, saved from the beginning for my harvest. It is also a covering for my nakedness with the spirit of life as its leaves. Far from me the fig leaves. This is Jacob's ladder, the passage of angels at whose summit the Lord is affixed. This tree The plant of immortality rears from earth to reach as high as heaven, fixing the Lord between heaven and earth. It is the foundation, the stabilizer of the universe, undergirding the world that we inhabit. It is the binding force of the world and holds together all the varieties that human life encompasses. (laughs) Sounds pretty epic. And it shows a glimpse how the early Christians thought about the cross as the tree of life. It's an unusual trajectory to think of the cross this way. But it has some warrant even in the New Testament. See, earlier our reading from Paul's letter to the Galatians, it gives us clues to how the apostle thought about the cross. Now, of all his letters, the most that Paul ever talked about the cross and crucifixion is in Galatians. And he has at least three things to say about the cross. We'll go through them quickly. So, number one in our reading in Galatians, Paul contrasts the works of flesh versus fruit of the Spirit. See, Paul describes the flesh as churning out the byproducts, oozing out, as it were, idolatry, sexual immorality, envy, rage, so on. The Spirit cultivates and grows organically this fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. But this is what we want to notice. Notice how Paul locates the difference between vice and virtue, between flesh and spirit, between, uh, between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. He locates it in the cross. He finishes his argument in verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So for Paul, there's a connection, seemingly a connection between the fruit of the Spirit and the cross. So that's one. Number two, Paul makes another connection between new life in Jesus and the cross. Earlier in Galatians, Paul writes... 
I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. New life. But he's not just talking about Jesus per se. He's talking about Christ crucified. This is Paul just talking about the cross. No mention of the resurrection. So that's two. And then number three, last. Listen to how Paul finishes later on his letter to the Galatians. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Did you hear that? Paul makes a connection between new creation and the cross. Again, no mention of resurrection. And that's three. So what am I getting at here? We're just looking at Galatians here. We're seeing how Paul thought about the cross, how he thought about it. He links the cross with, one, the fruit of the Spirit, two, new life in Christ, not just Christ, but Christ crucified, and three, new creation. All of these images of life, vibrancy, vitality, it's, it's an odd way of looking at the cross. Even at such a time when it was still fresh, dripping with the symbolism of empire and death, torture, murder. Okay, so what? What do we do with all of this stuff? As a church staff team, we've been going through a book, uh, through N.T. Wright's book uh, titled After You Believe. It's a follow-up to his Surprised by Hope book. It gets into the question of, so now that you've become a Christian, what does it actually look like to live like a follower of Jesus today? So in, in that book, After You Believe, Wright comments that Western Christians often just see themselves as receivers of God's grace. They live as if the fruit of the Spirit given to them as a gift is only for their personal growth of character and virtue, that the new life in Christ crucified is for their personal sanctification. That's all true, yes. But Wright invites Christians to see themselves not only as receivers, but as agents of God's grace to the world, agents who live out the new creation in the world, who see to the change and the transformation of the old order of death for the new one, the coming new creation, the kingdom blossoming. Now, if I could expand on what Wright was saying, the church today dichotomizes between these two vocations of receivers and agents of grace when we shouldn't. See, there is a segment of the church, stereotypically those on the right, that emphasizes our being receivers of grace. You need to be saved. You need to repent. You need to be sanctified. You need to be more biblical in your behavior. The fruit of the Spirit and the new life of Christ crucified are about your being more like Jesus personally. And then there is another segment of the church, stereotypically those on the left, that emphasizes our being agents of grace. We must change the world, dismantle social injustice, curb climate change, equality and inclusivity for all people. Bring the new creation of God into this world right now. Christianity is thought to be either 
being a receiver or an agent of grace. But the cross, the cross stands as a corrective to both overemphases. Either one or the other misses the whole point. The cross recenters the mission, the call of the church, of Christians in this world. You see, the Christian right can embody a kind of fatalism towards the world, a, a deep conviction about the future, but with little to no regard for the present. They would say, as a caricature, the, the end is coming, so let it come. Let the prophecies of Revelation roll out. Everything will burn up in the final judgment, so just live the best you can for yourself, for your kids, and for your country. Get as many people saved. Get them in the church. Join the church. Give to the church. And while we're at it, we fight for our religious freedoms and rights in this perverse and Christian-hating, persecuting world. But the cross recenters that. The cross says to the right, the fruit of the Spirit in you and your new life in Christ crucified, they're not just for a show of your virtue and personal Christianity, but they are given to you for the life of the world now. As Jesus laid down his life even for his enemies, laid down your life, your rights, your freedoms, your money for the stranger, the foreigner, the oppressed, even for those who hate you, for those who hate what you're about, even for the ones you even now despise. Lift up the poor. Lift up the oppressed. Just as high as you would lift up the name of Jesus. There is new creation even now, not just for later. Then on the other hand, the Christian left. They can embody a kind of frenzy and a kind of futility both at the same time. They have this deep conviction about the present, but also carrying with them a despair about the future. They say as a caricature, the world is deeply broken. It's up to us to save it. The earth is the only home we have and for our children after them. And we don't have much time left by the way that things are going. So we must heal all the hurts, correct all the injustices, repair all the brokenness. The greedy must pay. The oppressors must be punished. Give power to the weak, wealth to the poor. This is new creation now or never. But the cross stands to recenter that. Come to the middle here. The cross says to the left, this burden is too much for you. It will crush you. So the Son of God carried it to the cross. Sin runs much deeper than social structures and power dynamics. Only the cross transforms the human heart. Not just education, not just social reform, not public policy. Only the cross grows the fruit of the Spirit inside a person. Only the cross gives new life inside and out. But yes, the cross, the cross exposed and shamed the principalities and powers of this world and dismantled them forever. So yes, you could get to work, repair, heal, bind up, and liberate. But even when it's hard to see the new creation today, I promise you there will be new creation later on 
and perhaps even in your lifetime. The cross rebukes our fatalism. The cross calms our frenzy. The cross gives hope to our futility. The cross recenters the mission and the call of Christians, of the church in this world. This is one big way the cross shapes our Christian way of living, our Christian way of being in this age and culture. It shapes us as receivers. We must be receivers. Have you received the cross? Have you received the grace of God from the cross? To become individuals in whom the fruit of the Spirit grows for the sake of others. In whom the new life of Christ crucified is spilling out like blood out for the neighbors. The blood of forgiveness. The blood of reconciliation. Not only as receivers, but as agents. Agents of grace. Agents of new creation. A community of royal priests who are tasked, mandated to teach to heal and bind up, to work, put your hands on the plow, to proclaim, to intercede, to stand in the gap, to rebuild as we anticipate with hope for when the earth will become the paradise of God and people. The cross is new life. Now, I read an article from this past uh, Saturday in The Guardian it talked about Ukraine's rebuilding efforts even in the midst of the unabating war with Russia. The war rallied many Western countries to pull together their resources to aid Ukraine's reconstruction. And it's historically now the most funded rebuilding effort for one country since the Second World War, costing around half a trillion dollars and counting because the war is not yet over. Things are still being destroyed. Now, many Western leaders were skeptical of Ukrainian Prime Minister Zelensky's plans to rebuild, even in the middle of war. But so far, Zelensky managed to pull it off against all odds as bridges and roads and railways are being repaired at a very good pace. What propels Zelensky's resolve is the hope that war shall one day be done in the country even though he does not know when that's going to be. War will not be the future of Ukraine. Then the article described one good thing that the war brought about, and that is the radically different way Ukrainians are now having to deal with corruption in their country. Uh, Transparency International ranked Ukraine as the second most corrupt country in Europe in 2021, just behind Russia. But now the war efforts made the handling of resources and international aid money an even more sensitive and severe matter. One commentator said, There is a new cadre of voices who are serving on the front lines who won't accept passively sitting by while the country is looted again. There will be one million Ukrainian veterans returning from the war with missing limbs who bled for this country They're not going to accept things as they were before 2014. They won't be throwing corrupt officials into garbage cans like they did in the past, but they will hang them on lampposts. The war exposed endemic corruption. It pried loose the clutches of corrupt officials from the nation. And they were put to open shame. 
being brought to justice even now. Even as Ukraine is still reeling in war, rebuilding in hope against all odds. Though the war is not yet over. But for the people of God in this world, a greater war has been over for a very long time. The fight was fought. The battle won. And today, in this beautiful morning, we remember and celebrate how God waged war against sin, against Satan, against the evil powers of this world by unleashing their own ultimate weapon against them, a reverse Uno card, by sending his only son to die upon the world's ultimate symbol of death. The cross exposed the principalities and powers of this world as a sham, as an illusion, as weak and buffoonish, and put them to open shame. The cross has pried away their grip, their death grip upon us and upon this world. The cross has pushed out death in its dominion, and life has now begun to burst out of the cracks, the cement, the gray, the dead. And so now that's why we can rebuild. The war is over. We are rebuilding. We are rebuilding upon the ruins of this world in which God will later, in hope, has promised to renew. And only He can do that. But He invites each one of you, invites me, invites all of us to participate in the rebuilding. The cross is new life not only for us, but for the whole world. By the cross that see in ourselves the fruit of the Spirit bearing Life, not to keep for ourselves, but to share for the life of others as the church bears her fruit in dying according to the pattern of the cross. But a cross that's live into and out of the new life of Christ crucified so that we may see to the rebuilding and the renewing and the repenting of the world. And by the cross, let's anticipate eagerly for the fullness of new creation even as we only taste and see its morsels in this present life. By the cross, let us be receivers and agents of grace to the end that all the world shall become the paradise of heaven and earth, united, never to be separated again. Because the cross will be at its center. It will be its tree of life. It will be its tree of life. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.